What's good, everybody? Welcome to the Shanna Plan Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero, and with me, as always, on the Shanna Plan, Kyle Posey. What's up, KP? Yo, yo, trade day, it seems like, you know, Minnesota joint practices, got the 49ers getting to go against somebody else for a change, and I'm sure that they're ready uh, for that. But uh, how's life, man? How are you doing? Life is good. Happy to get a little, you know, competitiveness to the 49ers practices. I like to see him play against somebody where they don't know what the hell's going on. They don't know what the defense is going to be. You know, mix it up a little bit. Yeah, we were talking about that. And I mean, Trent Williams was talking about that. Everybody's talking about that. So by now, August 17th, they've been going at it for three weeks now. They know exactly what's coming. You know, they know what the 49ers offense is going to do and then vice versa. So um, we've been seeing some tweets about it. So let's get into it, you know. Yeah, before we start to break it down, I just want to remind everybody, rate, review, follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Thank you to the thousands and thousands of you that watched the Instant Reaction Podcast that we did this past weekend. We're going to do another one. Of course, we'll do it after every single game. We appreciate all the love and support. All right, joint practices with the Vikings. Normally, I wouldn't care this much about practice, Kyle, but Kyle Shanahan continues to talk about how much more he values these practices than the games So where do you want to start with the analysis from what we saw on Wednesday? Well, depending on who you root for, your team won. So um, whether it was, (laughs) if you know, if you're a Vikings fan, you're clinging to all the Justin Jefferson tweets and how he's beating uh, the 49ers fourth and fifth string cornerbacks. If you are a 49er fan, you just care about Danny Gray and the preseason Hall of Fame machine has, oh man, are we... I guess it should be surprising just because, you know, Gray is third rounder and um, you you usually see rookie wide receivers, unless you are Justin Jefferson, kind of start the season a little bit slow, but he's hitting the ground running. Um, I think we need to talk about how Gray opens up the rest of the offense. And you brought up practice and how, I mean, it's, it's probably not that big of a deal, but I think what we're seeing is, how Trey Lance is used. So he's throwing the ball down the field a lot. If you're reading these tweets, you see somebody say, hey, Trey Lance found Brandon Ayuk. Hey, Trey Lance found Debo Samuel. And then, of course, uh, Danny Gray a couple of times. So more so than anything, we're seeing a vertical offense. We're seeing Lance attack the field. We're seeing Kyle Shanahan realize, oh, I can do this. I am allowed to throw the ball down the field again. This is what it looks like. So I think that's been kind of my biggest takeaway, even when I was at the training practice, training camp practice, that uh, the offense is going to look a little bit different now. Yeah, just to give you a clear picture of what the difference is going to be. I saw a note today. Jimmy Garoppolo had only 25 completions, 10 yards down the field outside the numbers all of last year. So it is not an area where they went very often. So the offense is just going to look differently than what we have seen. And I think it's refreshing because it's not like Trey can't throw over the middle. It's that he'll throw over the middle and he'll throw deep and outside the numbers. They'll just be less predictable. I guarantee you there will be almost no plays unless we're talking like goal line or short yardage. There'll be no plays this year where you'll be able to see every single member of the defense on the screen when you're watching before the snap. Which is going to be great for the 49ers running game. And it's also going to make Trey Lance's life a lot easier. It's going to make George Kittle, Samuel, Ayuka a lot easier just because they don't have to deal with a congested box. They don't have to deal with guys living over the middle. It seemed like last year the safeties were lining up, you know, 
12, 10 yards, and they weren't going anywhere because why would you? The 49ers weren't going to throw the ball down the field. And for as much as the running game struggled, how much of that was due to everybody living over the middle of the field? So I, it's tough to be critical of the 49ers running game. And yeah, there were some offensive line issues, but I think they're just going to be so much better. There's going to be so much room to work with this year. And that's, again, that's the big takeaway here is that uh, there's space and this space was not here the last couple of years. And Kyle Shanahan thrives in space. Like the more space you give him, the better he does. And and the Niners are built to play in space. Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, they're all better with room to operate in the ball in their hands. So it's just going to be a lot of fun. And I, I worry that what we're seeing is the Trent Sherfield effect with Danny Gray, right? The Trent Taylor effect, the training camp heroes, as I like to call them. Do you think that we can start to believe, not that, that Danny Gray is going to you know, put up 1,200 yards, but that he is going to be an effective weapon deep, which Kyle has never really had in his time with the Niners. He's been searching for it. Yeah, I think the difference here is the speed. So Sherfield, he could run. There's no doubt about it. The difference is like we didn't really get a chance to see him in that in that realm where he was catching, I would say like underneath type of routes, but there wasn't really there wasn't these deep balls like you're saying. We didn't see any 50 yard, 60 yard these explosive ones, or even in the actual preseason. Remember last year, uh, it was like a play action concept where Trey Lance had to roll across the field, and and that's how Sherfield got his touchdown. What how? Um, how Danny Gray won last week. It was just a slot fade. Step one, two, three, throw, and the ball is his. So I think it's more sustainable with how Danny Gray is winning, and that's probably the biggest difference. Also, like he's a third-round pick. Like They're invested in him, so they're going to go out of their way to get Gray the ball as opposed to Sherfield just kind of coming in. He was like – it was a one-year contract, right? Like there wasn't these these big expectations. And I think the biggest difference was the 49ers, they, they haven't had a wide receiver three, and I think people wanted – uh, Sherfield to be that guy and in this in this case like Gray just is that guy we don't there's nothing to force it's just nice it's kind of reassuring to see them draft a guy that you think fits a specific role and lo and behold so far he seems to be fitting that role right like they drafted Trey Sermon last year and then all of a sudden they had to completely change his running style and you're like well what the hell's going on like you should draft guys that fit right into what you're already doing. You don't want to draft a guy and then have to completely change the type of player they are. That's a lot riskier. That would make too much sense. And <laughs> it doesn't seem like the 49ers like to make things easy on themselves, but it's nice to have, you know, this promising young guy, because again, like he's going to make everybody around him better. Let's talk about the offensive line because that is an area where, you know, if we're talking about weaknesses, we're talking about where the 49ers have to improve. The offensive line is at the top of the list. And no matter how fast Gray is, no matter how good they are at the skill positions, no matter how mobile Trey Lance is, because he did have a couple of plays during joint practice, according to the timeline, where he had to scramble away. And that's because the line's breaking down. I, some of the beat writers said that there are four sacks, uh, four would-be sacks for Lance. And that's something that can happen. So uh, how much should we take away from – this, you know, they are going against somebody new, so maybe they're not used to what they're seeing, or this is going to be a thing. Like, we need to get used to um, just maybe being behind the change because Trey Lance is going to get sacked. I think we need to get used to it, to be honest with you. I just, what are the odds that Banks and Brendel and Spencer Burford are all really good offensive linemen right out of the gate here? Banks hardly played last year. Burford's a rookie. Brendel has three starts in six years in the league. Like, the 
statistically, it's far more likely that they are just average to slightly below average NFL players. But, you know, the, the hope is that that's good enough. Doesn't have to be great. But with Lance's mobility and Kyle's play calling, the hope is that it's just good enough. So breaking in three new interior offensive linemen while you're breaking in a first-year starting quarterback is right. kind of terrifying. And we saw in the first preseason game, um, Spencer Burford, like he had flashes, but he was also beat a couple of times in pass protection. Aaron Banks, he he looked good. He probably looked better than Burford for as much as we've been talking about. Um, as much as we've been talking about Burford, I thought Banks was better. But again, like there's going to be times, just as he had, where the quarterback gets hit. So – how is the offense going to respond to that? How will Brindle look? Are they going to be able to trust Burford and Banks one-on-one because you can't double everybody? And, yeah, it's nice to have Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey on the edge, but, like, think about what defense are going to do. They're going to load up inside, and they're going to make sure that they take away whatever it is that the 49ers are trying to do inside, and they're going to make sure that Trey Lance doesn't have anywhere to go and doesn't have a long time to read the field. So I think we, we have to monitor the interior line very closely. And I think, too, the other thing is that people sometimes think about offensive line play and they think pass protection, right? Like, oh, when you say, oh, well, uh, Burford got beat a couple of times, people are thinking of pass plays. They're not thinking of run plays. It's possible that all those guys are awesome run blockers, kind of like Mike McGlinchey, who's much better as a run blocker than he is as a pass blocker. So maybe they might have some hiccups along the offensive line. But if they're really good at, at half the job in, like, run blocking – that also, you know, might be just good enough to be able to allow the offense to function. Yeah, I agree. And again, getting the ball out of your hands quickly, that'll matter. Um, they, they have so much skill on the outside that you're, you're essentially betting on Kyle Shanahan's scheme, the speed on the outside, and the tackles that you mentioned just being so much better or being good enough to offset the inevitable hiccups. Because again, like – Burford, he's going to be a good player. Banks, he's going to be a good player. Doesn't mean that there won't be hiccups this year. And to think that there won't be, uh, you are kidding yourself. Yeah, it the, the expectations, it's wild. Some people, the expectations for what they think or what they expect is going to happen this year. Yeah. Even the Niners themselves, Kyle Shannon has talked about the hiccups. He talked about Peter, you know, with Peter King. Sometimes it's one step forward, two steps back. It's not always just a straight line of progress for everybody, especially a quarterback. We've got to bake that into our expectations for the team, which I don't think people are going to do. I think what, what's going to happen is oh, they're going to lose a game and we're going to get the Jimmy Garoppolo never would have lost that game. <laughs> That's what we're going to get. Is that going to, is that really surprising though? Just because like right now it seems like everybody's on the trade bandwagon, but as soon as things sour, like the very first bad thing that happens, it's going to be like, whoa, why is this kid in? What are we doing here? <laughs> what, why did you take him over whoever it is behind him? So the the fans are fickle, and that's just natural. Um, but I like how every time we bring that up or every time that happens, Trey's quick to point out, like, the social media doesn't matter to me. Like, I do not yeah. care. It does seem like, and I wrote about this for Niners Nation, it seems like the national narrative has flipped a little bit. Like, you know, early in the offseason, it was what are they doing with Trey? They don't trust Trey. Uh, you know, arm fatigue. Are they going to keep Jimmy Garoppolo after all? And then he gets on the practice field, and especially after last week's game, now you got Chris Canty saying the Niners are going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Everyone's talking about how great Trey looks. It's funny to me how after five, you know, 
passes in a preseason game. Now, all of a sudden, everyone's, you know, betting the Niners to take the over. Trey Lance could win the MVP. Bill Barnwell just wrote about for ESPN.com. Yeah. It's totally done a 180. Think about it. So we're, we're talking about all of this in August. Trey Lance, dark horse MVP. Um, the expectations, like, as you mentioned, like what's going to happen if he puts up a stinker against the Bears? The very first week. Just think about that, man. Think about how they're going to turn against him. But again, I think they're so talented everywhere else. And Kyle Shannon's talked about this as well. He doesn't have to carry the team. And he said every time Shannon brings that up, he makes sure to tell us Jimmy didn't do that either in 2019. Jimmy didn't do that (laughs) last year. So why are you expecting me, Kyle Shannon, to ask that from a 22 year old quarterback that's just not how these things work but again we we are so inundated in talking about quarterback play that that's pretty much all we focus on when he's gonna have to step and throw to some very talented dudes and like just get them the ball you'll be fine i did think it was a weird comment from kyle how he said that the quarterback's not going to make or break our year just like he didn't in 2019. Like, the league is set up so that the quarterback makes or breaks your year. (laughs) All the rules favor passing. Like, they want that to be the case. And to their 49ers credit, like, they have kind of bucked that trend in the two out of the last three years. But, like, you draft Trey Lance because you know that the quarterback makes or breaks your season. You should Mm -hmm. set it up so you have a guy where he he makes your season every year, like the Bills, like the Chiefs, like the Ravens. Like, that's what you want. And that's why there's Trey Lance, right? Because he's hoping Trey Lance becomes that guy. He's hoping that. And, and he's quick to point out there are going to be hiccups for Trey Lance as well. But we're t- he's thinking big picture. He's thinking down the line where three, four years from now, he might have a bad play call. He might not have as talented of a defense. Whatever it is around Trey Lance's surroundings are, Lance is going to be able to pick us up and get us out of whatever situation we're in. So I understand where he's coming from. And I like that he kind of slow plays it like that. I like that he's kind of dialing back expectations, which might not be the right way to put it, but he's letting us know, hey, he's going to make some mistakes, but we'll be fine in the long run. This is uh, this is far from a sprint. It's a marathon. And it also tells me that Trey Lance will have a long leash, which will allow him to play better. If I could flip it over to the defense for a little bit, I was seeing uh, a lot of tweets about the 49ers linebackers, about how they're, they disrupt so much of the short passing game, or at least they were in practice against the Vikings. I think if they could stay healthy, I think this linebacking core is the best in the league. And I think they're going to give D'Amico Ryan so many options when it comes to how he plays defense. No argument at all that this is the best linebacking group in the league. I don't think I I would argue that Fred Warner is as valuable than any other defensive player in the league. And I know that's tough to say because he's a linebacker and you have so many good pass rushers and even DBs, but with what they ask him to do, what they ask of him and what they put on Warner's plate is unlike any other linebacker in the league. And it allows them to do so many other things that it's pretty easy for me to say. And then you have Joy Greenlaw who can fly around. You have Aziz Alshire. So like as their second level is about as good as it gets. And now that like, did you see the clip of Javon Kinlaw today? Uh, the pancake. Yeah. Running through a guy's face, um, having him and he's not going to do that every play, but being able to have Kinlaw on the field, having, you know, the surrounding and we got to see what happens with Jimmy Ward. Cause that's a big thing. But, um, the skill set at linebackers just going back to them, like they can do everything they can cover, uh, they can run and they can generate turnovers, which is a huge deal considering that's an, a struggle. Uh, that's an area where the 49ers have struggled. I just feel like this team is built to 
complement each other. The defensive line is capable of getting pressure on its own, right? They're going to force short passes, you would think. Well, guess what? The linebacking core, fast as hell. They're really good at disrupting the short passing game. And if you do chuck it deep, you've got Jimmy Ward, hopefully, back there. You've got now some better play at cornerback where it's just like every part of the defense helps the rest of the defense, which then, like you said, if they generate turnovers, is going to help the offense and help Trey Lance and maybe lead to him having some short fields. Just seeing everything in this preseason so far and hearing the way Kyle Shanahan has talked about this team, like he's not hiding it. Kyle Shanahan is no. basically telling you, I think we're going to kick the hell out of people. He's, he really is. And part of that, part of the the way that they're calling these players on offense, and when I say that they're being aggressive down the field, I feel like that's Shanahan and his confidence kind of coming out a little bit and saying, hey, like we have the dudes to make these plays now and I'm going to dust that part of the playbook off, and we're just going to unload. We're going to go for it. And all that's going to do is give Trey Lance and the receivers more confidence. So um, I think it's a great idea. I, I'm curious to see if he continues to be outspoken like this, if he continues to kind of fluff up his guys. And by that, I mean, we're like he, it seems like the players and the coaching staff in general, more so than ever, uh, more so than you know the last three or four years anyway, they have really been optimistic about their guys publicly. And that hasn't been the case last year. And maybe I'm wrong, or maybe um, I'm off on that. But it, it seems like that's the case. Do you notice that at all? Yeah, I think that's true. Um, and I don't know if I always agreed with it, but I, I like everything. You know, teams go through cycles when it comes to, like, your championship window. And knowing where you are in that cycle and knowing sort of how to manipulate things from a psychological perspective. I think it all goes into the stew there. And I, so I think they're playing it right this year. And I just hope that they fulfill that promise, man, because we could be sitting at the beginning of a Niners run in the mm -hmm. NFC where the division and maybe the conference run through San Francisco. A lot is shaking out their way. I know, you know, we still have to get there, but Matthew Safford, all if you think that arm situation is just something we could ignore, not how this works. He's aging. He it seems like he's been banged up quite a bit. I know he hasn't missed time, but um, the Rams lost a lot of players as well. They lost Andrew Whitworth. Talking about the Cardinals, they don't have DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games, and they're gonna str they struggle even with him sometimes. So who knows what they're gonna get without him? I'm not expecting a lot there, and then. Drew Locke is taking snaps in the preseason with the first team from Geno Smith two weeks into camp. Like that tells you what you need to know about the Seahawks. So the stars are aligning 49ers, but they have to stay healthy. So Eric Armstead returned to practice. Emmanuel Mosley returned to practice. Still need Traverse Ward to come back. Um, the injury bug is, I don't want to say that's the only thing because we've talked about, you know, the offensive line and the, the inevitable growing pains that'll come with Trey Lance. But um, there, there's no doubt that, this team is set to win and win right away. Thank God. Right. <laughs> I have lived through the early 2000s. I mean, for most of the 2000s, this team has been bad. Like yeah. we have earned a little bit of success here and sustained success and hopefully sustained success with like a core of players too. Well, it's, it's different when, you know, like they're the Bucks, and you import Tom Brady. And obviously that's cool. They won the Super Bowl, but it's a little different when you do it with like, quote unquote, your guys. You know what I mean? For it's sure. not Gronk that, that Brady convinced to come or Antonio Brown or Leonard Fournette. It's guys the team has scouted and drafted and developed. And I just feel like that hits a little differently. 
there's no doubt about it, man. And imagine how that goes in, whether it's recruiting and free agency or just um, the confidence that it gives the coaching staff or the players see that they know that, Hey, um, they drafted me. They're going to believe in me. They're going to give me a chance. So I think you can spin that in so many different ways. And that's probably why they always talk about chemistry. And that's probably why um, they have confidence in guys like Kerry Hyder and his leadership over um, a potential, the guy who they released, Robert Kimdiche. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the, what they have building in-house and in the locker room has a lot to do with their success. And it's really hard for us on the outside uh, to view it in those lens, but we can see it. The other thing I was hoping to hear about today in practice was Samuel Womack, you know, coming off that great game he had against the Packers, but I didn't see a single tweet about him. I I didn't see, like, I was hoping he'd get matched up on Justin Jefferson a few times. Apparently Justin Jefferson was roasting everybody in practice today. Player. I mean, he is so, he's underrated. He is so damn good. Two years in the league, 1,600 plus yards, both seasons. That's only been done a handful of times in the history of the NFL in any two seasons. He did it in his first two with Kirk Cousins as his quarterback. Yeah, so when you're seeing these tweets that, you know, Justin Jefferson is eating the 49ers alive, keep in mind that he's going against a player who I don't even know who it is. He's number 14, used to used to be Leon O'Neal, not Leon O'Neal anymore. But that doesn't take away from uh, who Justin Jefferson is. Like, he probably would have beat Mosley. He probably would have beat Trevor Sword because he beats everybody. But, again, that's a good challenge for the 49ers to have, especially after going against the same guys over and over and over. And Jefferson's going to be the best receiver they see in a long, long time. 1,400-plus yards in both seasons. Sorry, not 1,600. He had over 1,600 last year, but it's 1,400. Felt like 1,600. Yeah, and it's uh, it's happened 14 times in the history of the NFL, and one of those is Justin Jefferson. Jerry Rice did it twice, and I think Andre Johnson did it twice as the other guy. This just in. Justin Jefferson's really, really good. All right, KP, is there anything else from today that jumped out at you? No, I mean, we, we saw – oh, did you see the – let's talk about real quick, and this has nothing to do with anything really, but uh, the photo of Alex Boone and Dante Whitner. I yeah. Did Alex Boone play in the NFL? Because he doesn't look like it. (laughs) When these guys get done playing, they shrink. And so it looks like Boone dropped like 150 pounds. Easily. Yeah, there were two photos uh, from practice today that I saw. One was Alex Boone and Dante Whitner. And Alex, like, man, it is crazy to me. Joe Staley, Alex Boone. Uh, who was the guy from the Chargers? Nick Hardwick, I think his name was. Yeah. Like, drop the weight, and they look fantastic. And then the other photo was Kyle Shanahan talking with uh, Kevin O'Connell, the Vikings coach. And in the background is Mike Shanahan, who, first of all, has a full head of bright white hair, but also Love looks it. like he he's shrunk about four inches from the time he was coaching in the NFL. Um. Yeah, just it is insane because you – we see these guys for years and years and years at one size and think, Oh, this is just how they are six months later. And obviously Alex Boone's been out of the NFL longer than that, but like Joe Staley, for example, um, it took him no time to lose that weight. So uh, it's almost as if these guys who, you know, the NFL, they're eating nonstop, they're weightlifting nonstop. uh, They go back to being a normal average Joe, like the rest of us. And they can just lose that weight. It's, it's maybe it's impressive to me uh, maybe suppressive to anybody else who struggles to lose weight, but it, it's just fascinating to kind of watch. There's two ways it goes. They either drop the weight immediately or it goes the other direction where they stop working out. They continue eating just as much 
and they put on (laughs) some pounds. And I'm just going to say that Maurice Jones drew is no longer pocket Hercules. All right. Ah. He ain't fitting in anybody's pocket. And with that, (laughs) (laughs) we're going to wrap this edition of the show. Uh, Please continue rate review. Follow the Niners nation podcast network. Remember we're going to be doing instant reactions after every single game this year. So please continue to join us. Uh, Akash got a, a work call just before we press record today that uh, unfortunately chased him from the podcast, but hopefully he's back next week. KP, thank you for helping me as I pinch hit on today's show. Always, always, always. Thank you. And we will be back uh, next week to talk about, you know, the second preseason game. Hopefully uh, we'll see at least a couple of the starters in there. Go Niners. <laughs>